Hey, podcast people. Tony Stark here. The show is called Re-MCU. These guys had the brilliant idea to do something no one else has. Rewatch the Marvel Cinematic Universe and talk about it. Top-notch idea, fellas. Congrats. Anyway, let's see what brilliant thoughts come from this. Take it away, boys. Welcome to the eighth episode of Re-MCU, where we are re-watching and revisiting uh, and whatever the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. My name is Jared Kingery. This is Cody Viafania. Off to I a think great re- start. re-evaluating is, is the word I was looking for, but I couldn't, um, I couldn't come up with it. Uh, today's film is the eighth film, obviously, in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor, The Dark World. And for the second episode in a row, we are joined by a guest, this time, comedian Eddie Pence. Eddie, welcome. Hey, how's it going? So, uh, Cody tells me you are a big fan of Thor The Dark World. I came around on it. When I first saw it in the theater, I wasn't as... Imp- like, I I had this discussion with Jerry, and I think we had it with... I don't know if I had it with Cody or not, about, like, I don't hate any of the Marvel movies. Right, because it is a, it is a connected world, so it, it just feels like one. It's just they're just all an episode of a larger thing. So I don't hate any of them, but it was one of my least favorites when it came out. And how many times have you seen it since then? I would say I've probably watched it seven, six or seven times. Oh, God wow. damn! <laughs> just to, well, because I would do that. I would do that with all the Marvel Marvel movies I did not care for when I saw them in the theater. Iron Man three was also a victim of this. Which I think is the one you guys did before this one. Right. I was very disappointed in Iron Man three when I saw it in the theater. That Iron Man, the three that I did not like: Iron Man three, Thor: Dark World, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume two. For uh-huh. some reason, the theater I they did not hit with me, and I watched them more than the others to see like why they didn't hit for me. And over time, I grew to really like them. All not to not to get ahead of ourselves, but I do feel like those are kind of the three most inconsequential. Of the the movies, like at for the whole Marvel story at large. Yeah, I could. Yeah, you could definitely make that argument. I think. Yeah. So, uh, so this is uh, actually the first time I've rewatched it since the film was released. Same. Um, and uh, you know, I almost uh, suggested Cody. Uh, it aired um, that we're recording this on a Thursday. It aired Wednesday on ABC as like the movie of the week or whatever. And I almost suggested like just watching it on AB on like network TV to see how <laughs> like it held up and if it made sense and what they would cut out. But nah, I just went to Disney Plus instead. <laughs> yeah, I can, that's such a weird choice to like because it, it would make sense if they were going in order of the MCU and mm-hmm. then th- it was just up for the Dark World. But to just kind of randomly Play that choose, one. yeah, <laughs> it odd. makes no sense. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. That's that never seems to be. Uh, that would never be my first choice of of go to like thor movies just hey throw on thor the dark world like all right yeah um but then of course it was revisited in uh, avengers endgame which we'll get to a little later um so yeah um so let's let's talk eddie the the kind of the format here we're gonna just go through the some basics of the film and it, it's standing in the marvel cinematic universe so Cody, you want to you want to talk about where the 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 MCU was at this point? Yeah. So this was uh, a couple episodes ago. We talked about the Avengers and how that was a massive turning point, um, not only for this series, but just kind of in general for these for just the concept and the notion that you can build and build 
you know, four or five movies and have it all lead up to one thing and it can be cohesive. And now you've built this like insulated universe that, that can culminate in something. And then really this is the experiment to see if you can kind of recapture that idea. You know, the idea to see if you can hit the reset button and start phase two and see if you can do it all over again. Um, and, you know, as we'll get to in a couple episodes, Age of Ultron had a mixed bag, um, which, by the way, if you're going to include those three, you should probably include Age of Ultron as inconsequential. But um, true. You, you it, did, could. Yeah. it did have the uh, the the Sokovia stuff and the Ultron stuff does kind of inform. And the it, later. Introduced, it introduced vision into the world. True. Yeah, but that, the Sokovia stuff informs like all of uh, Civil War. Civil War stuff. Yeah, that that is true. So I guess that is true. And maybe maybe Age of Ultron did you know belongs in the discussion of maybe the lesser tier films. But uh, we'll get to that in a few episodes. So so this was um, after Iron Man three, a movie which I think both of us both of us kind of felt was a little limp. In, in, in ways, I think I might have disliked it a little bit more than you. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and this is the second time that we're getting another uh, a, a sequel um, to something. So, you know, it's before the big swings were taken, introducing some of the lesser characters. It's pre-Guardians, which was, yeah. you know, of course, the, the really big swing. So in, in a way, I feel like this movie, and especially because it is so inconsequential, I feel like this was kind of like a safe, move especially after avengers was such a big swing it, it was a little weird to see in my opinion how safe this the, the idea of doing iron man 3 and thor 2 back to back were so so eddie what was your um initial dislike rooted in of of thor 2 when you, or thor the dark world when you first saw it uh just because i didn't see it i didn't see where it fit into where i thought phase 2 might be headed I didn't see well, like what's the point. I, a lot with the same feelings I had with Iron Man three when I first saw it. I wasn't watching it as I'm just trying to be entertained in this movie because I'd seen what had happened with Avengers and how everything built to Avengers. And so I started watching these movies now with a different eye about them as opposed to just mm-hmm. enjoying the movies and see what's coming next. I'm kind of like I was trying to see okay, how does this build in Phase two? Where are they going here with this? Does this have anything to do with what's going to pay off on Avengers two whenever that comes out? And so I didn't after watching the movie, I was like, I don't know where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I I was the same way too. And, uh, you know, this is, it's kind of a lazy complaint. And we talked about it last episode with, uh, with Jerry Rocha that, you know, when you, when you have these standalone films like this, you after post Avengers, you have to wonder where the hell are the other Avengers at a certain point. Well, anytime there's a like a uh, uh, apocalyptic event or some sort of <laughs> you know like devastation that's going to be like that's going to destroy the world, you have to wonder where. Okay, how come Iron Man didn't get a call here? Right, nice. exactly, and, th- and, I- and that's that's always bother- that bothers me with all super like Suicide Squad. That was my big complaint. Oh. Like, why does it have to be like an extinction level event mm-hmm. for Suicide Squad to exactly. take over? Just make it a small thing like Deadpool. Make it based on characters and deal with. Smaller relationships, not extinction level stuff. Where exactly. okay, Superman's definitely going to interject himself in. This. <laughs> hey, that was exactly my complaint with Super Suicide Squad. Like Harley Quinn is a crazy woman with a bat. Like there's yeah. nothing she can't stop this no. magical powered. And the characters yeah. in Suicide Squad are so great that you can you can just play up the character study of those characters and make a a compelling film. It doesn't have to be extinction level Armageddon to draw them together. Yeah, and I, I think this one, um, I think Thor: The Dark World has a bit of a, 
like probably the most mumbo jumbo when it comes to whatever the big the big bad thing is that's happening. Yeah, like, it's like the the convergence. Right. I mean, it's just a it's a lot of nutso stuff. Um, I mean, it's way bigger than what happened in Avengers two. <laughs> you know, like what was going <laughs> exactly. on in this movie was far greater to a greater threat to the world or the universe than what happened in Avengers two. Yeah, and it should have brought like uh, um, uh, what's Tilda Swinton's character's name, um, the ancient one. Oh it yeah, the ancient it should, one. Like should have brought her in. Should have brought like it should have brought all the heavy hitters in. I mean, this yeah. was literally the Dark Elves were trying to bring darkness to the entire universe. Yeah, should have brought Captain Marvel. Yeah, everything. Every, like if if Marvel <laughs> gets a page because half the population disappears, why doesn't she get a page when everything is going to disappear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this is. Um, um, it's it kind of reminds me of the Incredible Hulk a little bit, in that it just seems sort of abandoned, like whatever plot lines were happening there. Because um, we talked about the Incredible Hulk in our second episode of the show, how it was much more of a of a like technical Hulk. If you I don't know how well you remember the Incredible Hulk with with Edward Norton, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he like it was all about his heart rate, keeping his heart rate yes. under whatever. And then that all kind of went out the window when they retconned the Hulk into into Mark Ruffalo's character and right. and just kind of abandoned everything about it. And I kind of feel the same way about Thor: The Dark World. I don't really know, um, you know, going through some plot points and, and especially at the end of the movie, I don't remember how the end of the movie gets resolved in later films. And I don't. We'll talk about that a little later. But I, I really don't remember any of this affecting anything at all. Um. Yeah, I don't. I I was trying to remember and place the end, and I guess we'll get to it in a bit. But the end of the Thor Dark World, and trying to remember how specifically, what, like when that well, comes back up again. It it put Loki on the throne, and it right. put and it exiled, uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins, the the All Father, Odin. Odin. Uh, they had exiled him basically to Earth. When is, is that, that addressed? That's, that's addressed that's in, in Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok that gets addressed. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, because um, he was like sitting on the cliff. Yeah, in basically, I, I think the some... Netherlands or something like that, or wherever wherever Vikings were from. Yeah, yeah. Norway or Finland Norway. Or wherever wherever becomes new uh, Asgard in Endgame. Yeah, I think because that... he said he says in that movie this could be this could be Asgard. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I, I I really didn't remember. Because I, man, I, I need to. This, yeah, this again. It's one of those things that like has it's totally escaped my memory from this film and anything about it affecting anything. Uh, yeah, I don't think it in, in large. It doesn't really affect. I mean, if you look at Thor's overall character arc from the first Thor movie all the way through Endgame, it's the first time he really experiences loss with his mother dying. Right. So that and you know that affects him, and then of course in Ragnarok his father dies, and then he sees Loki die, and he sees Himdel die in Endgame, or Infinity War. So it's like this is the first thing where he really experiences significant loss. So it sort of sends him on his path to where you actually see him in Endgame. Jane, sorry, I just needed to make sure you were real. It's been a very strange day. Oh, I am, Jane. But... Where were you? Where were you? Heimdall could not see you. I was right here where you left me. I was waiting, and then I was crying, and then I went out looking for you. You said you were coming back. I know, I know, but the Bifrost was destroyed. The Nine Realms erupted into chaos. Wars were raging, marauders were pillaging. 
I had to put an end to the slaughter. As excuses go, it's not terrible. But I saw you on TV. You were, you were in New York. Jane, I fought to protect you from the dangers of my world, but I was wrong. I was a fool. I believe that fate brought us together. Jane, I don't know where you were or what happened, but I do know this. What? I know. You do? Do what? What? You? Uh, we're kind of in the middle of something here. Um, I'm pretty sure we are getting arrested. So, revisiting this movie, let's just kind of talk about how it holds up as a film. Um, so the basic plot line here is that there's this dark elf named Malaketh who um, was banished at one point. I don't remember, Cody, do you? I, I I wish that I he, did. Well, the, okay. Eddie, go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. This is well, why we brought uh, you on, Eddie. <laughs> you know, five thousand years before, when before Odin before Odin was the king, when his father was the king, there was a giant battle between the dark elves during the first convergence. Oh yes, that's um, right. The and the dark elves had the ether, and they were getting ready to send the entire universe into darkness. Uh, or Thor's great, or Thor's grandfather, Odin's father, came down with the with the Asgardian army, took the ether, hid it far away, and uh, Malekith basically exiled himself until the next convergence. That's until okay. the until the ether was discovered, until the ether was found, and the next convergence is when he reawoke. So he basically which, exiled himself. Which is the ether is uh, the reality stone. If yes, you're it becomes track the reality stone, and uh, later down the line. So this is the introduction of the, I believe, the second or third. It's, it's the second it's, after the tesseract. Yeah, because we don't we don't realize in Avengers that the mind stone is in Loki's staff. So it's technically right. the second, technically the second Infinity Stone that gets introduced into the universe. Yeah. Um. So so this anyway this. Um, causes this convergence thing causes some sort of strange portal on earth to open up. Uh, Natalie Portman's Jane Foster slips into it um, and becomes it's all very, we- it's all very weird. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. becomes, I guess, what would you call it? Like infected with the ether? Yeah. It, it sort of enters. Cause I, I, apparently that's how the ether is used because that's how uh, Malekith was going to use it where it enters him and then he can control it. Or right. you can use it to expand the dark energy throughout the uh, the universe, and I guess it, it went into her. Yeah. So as um, as Thor is is uh, kind of eternally stalking her from Asgard. Yeah, in that moment, in that moment, she uh, she slips from Heimdall's watch and like is not on Earth anymore, and so yeah. he decides to to go down and visit her, and. Um, well, she, yeah, she disappears from that, and so he's he goes down to find her. Because I guess when it, wherever she went for, she went to the dark world when she fell through that portal. Yes, because that's yeah. where the ether was kept. Which I don't know why the Asgardians would hide the ether on the dark elves' planet to begin with. No, <laughs> There's a lot of confusing stuff. Really in this doesn't movie. make any sense. But so, that's where they that's where they hid it. <laughs> so so, so she, uh, he takes her back to Asgard. The last um, place to look at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. takes her back to Asgard. There's also like cans and keys there that they've been dropping into this. Yes, uh, 
this uh, weird gravity portal. Anyway, so there's um, there's uh, he's takes her back to Asgard, where um, she is kind of uh, shunned by Odin and and locked away because uh, because well, Odin it doesn't have a very high opinion of humans. Yeah, and then it, it her the Malekith attacks Asgard and ends up killing Frigga, which is uh, Rene Russo's character, who's yes. Thor's mother and Loki's adoptive mother. So he locks uh, Natalie Portman away, Jane Foster away, then uh, a whole bunch of shit happens. And <laughs> <laughs> the Warriors, you didn't, you didn't the, enjoy Sif, this movie, Sif. There's a lot. There's a lot happening in this movie, and a lot of it doesn't make total sense. Yeah, it, well, I think it gets it gets bogged down with a lot of weird like fantasy shit, which I think I'll I'll talk about in a minute when we talk about like who was behind the movie. But well, I'm, and I and I don't think it's it's not terrible in that, but it's really dense. Well, it's, it's very it, interesting if you look at the place of Thor two compared to Iron Man three, and then what came after this, which I believe was Winter Soldier, correct? Captain America yes, 2? yes. Because Captain America two is like one of those 1970s spy espionage right. thrillers. Yeah. And this is a pure fantasy film. Right. And and Iron Man 3 was almost, I, I guess it was, you put that in the action genre. I it was like an action comedy almost. Act, yeah, yeah. So it's very weird how they were they were really starting here in the in phase two, uh, really playing with different genres of filmmaking. Whereas the first, I believe all the original uh, Marvel movies were just sort of character introductions and nothing. Like they all seemed like typical comic book movies. Yeah, they were all set on Earth. and Yeah, and, and like Phase 2, it really went into, even with the first Thor, it wasn't really a fantasy movie, it was all set on Earth. With this Phase 2, they really went with like, okay, let's try different genres of movie making with these, with these Marvel movies. And right. this was like the first time where they went full fantasy. Like this felt like a full fantasy sci-fi fil- flick. Yeah, and, and you know, I, again, I don't think it's bad. I think it actually looks pretty nice. Like it, yeah. it's it really rich. Um, I mean, it looks great, frankly. But uh, it does seem to get kind of bogged down in the mythology of all this. The, I think the dark elf stuff really, really bogs it down to me. Um, yeah. You know, I had a hard time kind of understanding what the, the through line was there. Because um, you know, at the end of the day, it just became like generic evil. Like it's uh, we're here to destroy the universe or whatever. Right, and it doesn't it doesn't really resonate beyond that because it's just a bad guy. It you know it did introduce. Uh, let's talk about the cast a little bit. It did introduce some new characters that I thought were interesting. Um, the Warriors Three and uh, Lady Sif, who I believe um, <laughs> all got executed in Ragnarok. They all did get well. Lady Sif never got taken out. I, I don't know what happened with Lady Sif. The I know she. Three, the Warriors yeah, Three she, got taken out, but they were introduced in the first Thor. Oh, were they? Yes. But they didn't have uh, they I didn't have very big was, parts. Uh. Wasn't this the first time that Zachary Levi was in it? Yeah, I don't think he was in Ragnarok. Was he? He was. Uh, no, Warriors Three were in. Uh, all were in the original Thor. Man, I don't remember them at all in the original. They came Thor. down to help Thor. They they're the ones who sort of snuck back down to Earth to help Thor before they <laughs> uh, were basically destroyed. They weren't killed, but they were beaten up by that. Uh, oh, that saying. big robot. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh but Zachary Levi was not Was it different? Uh, did they recast him? I don't Man, I uh, no, I guess that character he, was in it. I don't remember if he was Zachary Levi though. Or he's, no. He replaced an actor named Joshua Dallas. So yes, yeah, Zachary Levi okay. was re, he was recast. He was recast. Okay. Yeah, anyway, um it was um I I thought they were it was an interesting uh, addition to the cast, I think, and it, it, it um 
it kind of fleshed it out a little bit better for me. Um, I think the real um, kind of uh, cast thing that that surprised me, and and I think it, it's it's like the this is like the start of where they don't really know how to use Loki. Um, yeah, and, and this is Tom, Tom Hiddleston's Loki, and so of course Loki is the ultimate villain of of the first Thor film and in Avengers. Yes. And this film, he's uh, in jail because of his action in the Avengers and is, is freed by Thor where he has a, a sort of real human moment, I guess in the, when he grieves for um, Frigga dying and he's got this illusion, you know, that everything's all together, but then it just sort of has, he has this kind of character turn. That's just, like just a, a like a mustache twisting evil guy that I don't really get. Um, he fakes his own death and then um, does something to to uh, Odin to take Odin out and takes over the throne, posing as Odin. Well, I and mean, I he, he wanted to. He knew he was going back to prison because that was the deal he made with Thor. He's like, "We'll get revenge, and then I'm taking you back to your cell." So he knew he had to fake his death to get out of that situation anyway. He wanted to get revenge on his, for his mother, right? But he didn't right. want to go back to jail, so he agreed to go with Thor to get revenge, and then he had to work his own way out of going back to prison, which he did. Uh, and he always wanted to be the king of Asgard, so I guess he saw this as his opportunity with with Frida being dead, and now with his father, who showed signs of weakness and getting sicker because of not getting the Odin sleep or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he did that. He had that stumble moment there before Thor left. Uh, yeah, Anthony Hopkins did. So I guess he needed to go to the Odin sleep or whatever. So that was his. He was in a weakened state. So that was Loki's opportunity to sort of get get rid of Odin, so he could assume the throne. Man, you are way more versed in this than than we are. <laughs> and I think that that's uh, that's impressive because I, I look. I don't get it. Um, you know, he. I don't really feel like he ever gets his revenge. Because he ends well, up he, dying, he he kills the guy, the thing that killed his mom, Frida. That was the the cursed, right? The cursed okay. thing is what stabs Frida. He's holding up Frida. That's what impels. He stabs okay, Frida yeah, with yeah. the sword. So he the kills. The, gotcha. And then in the battle Man, of the dark are... world, <laughs> then oh, on the God. battle of the dark world, uh, Loki throws that. Well, I guess those black hole grenades. Oh yes, yes. He, okay. He killed the curse. So he did. Get, he did exact his revenge on the being that killed his mom. Okay. Man. I, I... <laughs> 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 I, I i watch these a little too intense. that's a, that's totally cool because i'm i mean i consider myself a fan of this stuff and man that is way too dense for me yeah i mean if i if i can go deep on thor the dark world imagine i can go on a good one <laughs> so so there's regarding loki i think um loki is is one of the more interesting case studies i think of this whole mcu thing because i think I think that there are moments in the film where you get like the best version of Loki. Like they're like starting when Thor lets him out of the cell yeah. all the way up until like that battle that happens. Like there's a stretch of like ten minutes where where like Loki and Thor are kind of going back and forth and like trading like verbal barbs and yeah. and mm-hmm. messing with each other. And I think that's the best section of the movie. I think there's like ten minutes where it's like, Okay, this feels like and I think maybe it's hurt by the idea that we know where Loki eventually ends up and possibly how, how Loki becomes a, like a legitimately great character 
Um, well, and Taco Waititi really expanded on that 10 minutes you're talking about, and that becomes basically all their entire relationship in Thor Ragnarok. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and, I, and, it's, and so there's glimpses of that, but then there's also the stuff where, like, it, 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 and especially in the first, because I, I didn't think Loki was all that great of a character in the first Thor. And I think he was just in, your bad guy in a superhero movie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He assumed that role. And I think in, in Avengers, I feel like Loki was one of the best characters. And I, and I think that a lot of that had to do with the way he was written uh, by Joss Whedon. Yeah. And well, you also see that he is now, he is now in the, especially in Avengers, where you didn't get that in the original Thor, where Thor, he was just the typical, you know, a very, uh, one-dimensional bad guy in Thor in Avengers he became a guy who was trying to get control of Earth but also he was under threat of Thanos killing him if he didn't succeed mm-hmm. so he also was like I have to do this to save my own life it's not just pure greed out of my part I'm doing I'm doing this entire thing to New York to save my own life because if I fail Thanos will kill me right yeah which makes yeah. it automatically more interesting villain also, he's but then he's retconned into having been under control yeah. of the scepter, and it's so yes. that pisses me <laughs> off. But anyway, it, but I think it also runs into the issue. I think with with it that happens with these MCU movies, it sort of drives me nuts. Is is the idea of the of the false death and faking death, or, or <laughs> yeah. no death actually seemingly sticking? And well, it's that's just, comic books. Yeah, I, mean, I know, you know, but it's one it's thing I do like that MCU has done with deaths is. They don't just kill you and bring you. They give you. A, they they bring you back in a certain way. Like Loki was known for being a trickster and would fake his death. That was something he would do. Whereas, like you know, with how they got Loki or how they got uh, Gamora to come back after Infinity War, they just went back in time and grabbed a new Gamora. Yeah, right. I mean, which yeah. they, they didn't. They didn't look, return that, the Soul Stone and bring Gamora back. Right. I, I I'm gonna agree with you there, Eddie. I, I like that sort of plot point is better to me than look I, i'm i i don't really have a problem with with uh the loki character in general i do think we've gotten too many fake outs over we the have. course of and this series the, and the fake the when he died in infinity war being choked by thanos no one thought that was real yeah everyone thought every no one no one thought that was real i mean but it and ended up I, being real because he ended up just grabbing the tesseract and now we have a new loki in the time yeah, <laughs> yeah of course because yeah. there's always a convenient way out of a character dying in that, Except, like just like like the G- G- Gamora thing, like it's it's easy as just grabbing another Gamora, like it's well, just, I, like, yeah. That's at least interesting to me. That's at least has a, a an interest to me that that doesn't, you know, it's better than her being resurrected or or whatever. But um, what's interesting is when you see this Loki that comes back in this Loki t- TV series on Disney Plus or in any more films, it's going to be the Loki from Avengers. From it's Avengers, not the Loki yeah. from Thor: Dark World or Ragnarok. So he yeah. hasn't he doesn't have that relationship that he's built with Thor anymore. Yeah. The, the one no one ever wants to bring back uh, Quicksilver. <laughs> that, that's oh. true. Cuz he sucks so bad. <laughs> well, if you had Quicksilver then you don't need anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Quicksilver uh, well, just dominates everything. I think uh um the the worst thing that could have happened for Marvel. I mean, Avengers Age of Ultron was not a good movie, but having uh Days of Future Past released uh the same year with uh with a much much better quicksilver yeah they did a better job on quicksilver yeah was was that the same hair color yeah so uh it was it was he was doa poor uh aaron uh, but even in that movie days of futures past they they leave him at home like oh we have the most powerful we have one of the more powerful avengers or x-men let's just you stay here we'll go fight (laughs) we'll we'll (laughs) fight magneto but the guy that could really solve this in two seconds 
You stay yeah, the, here. The guy that has the show-stopping scene in the middle of the movie yeah. that they kept trying to replicate after that was... Ugh. I I, th- I think the other thing that, that stuck out to me about the movie was... Um, if if it, it is another representation of I think one another one of Marvel's biggest problems, which is that it can't that that so many villains are like one dimensional, just evil bad guys with not a lot like n- like not a lot of character or personality or anything like that. And in this one is another case also of hiring an actor Christopher Eccleston and then just caking him under makeup and. Not being able to tell who the person like again, you could cast anyone in that role. Like, there's nothing significant about that. It's like putting Oscar Isaac in apocalypse makeup, and, <laughs> and like you're putting one of the best actors out there in makeup where he can barely move. Or Ben Mendelsohn in in Cree makeup. Yeah, in, in Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah and I just think that that this has this suffers from a, a villain that's just really not super interesting or. Well, it's- it's honestly the villain is the story behind the backstory and the whole idea of the convergence and them trying to restore darkness before the light came into the universe. Like that's a big, humongous story that would like it could literally play out over several films. And they tried to cram it into this movie. Well, I, yeah, I mean, how is that? I mean, that's worse than what Thanos did, right? Base. I mean, it's on par. If it's, yeah. not, I mean, that. And then if you look at what Dormammu wanted to do in Doctor Strange. I mean, those those are like extinction level, change the universe type events where you would think everyone would be involved and that could be an entire thing as opposed to, you know, Loki trying to open up a portal in Avengers so some Chikari could come down and take up, tear out Manhattan. Like yeah. that, the other, like the, the convergence seems like a bigger deal than the plot point of Avengers. This is so unlike you, brother. So clandestine. Are you sure you wouldn't rather just punch your way out? If you keep speaking, I just might. Fine, as you wish. I'm not even here. Is this better? Some better company, at least. Still, we could be less conspicuous. Mmm, brother. You look ravishing. It will hurt no less when I kill you in this form. Very well. Perhaps you prefer one of your new companions, given that you seem to like them so much. Oh, this is much better. Whoa. Costume's a bit much. So tight. But the confidence. I can feel the righteousness surging. Hey, you want to have a rousing discussion about truth, honor, patriotism? God bless America. So the film is uh, seven years old now. It was released in 2013. Directed by uh, um, a guy named Alan Taylor, who uh, did a lot of um, Game of Thrones episodes. Mm-hmm. That checks and, out. That uh, feel. And uh, a, a few Mad Men episodes, uh, some Sopranos, uh, an episode of the Sopranos. Notably, like uh, the third choice to direct this movie. W- right. Um, Branagh he, he, did the first one, right? Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Wasn't it um, um, Patty Jenkins? Yeah, Patty Jenkins was attached for, for uh, a bit of time, and then she exited the project with creative differences, basically saying that she couldn't, she couldn't make a good movie out of the movie they wanted to make, so they she let someone else take a crack at it. So who was the uh, who was the second director? The second the second director was Brian Kirk. He was the guy who was attached for a while. Who also directed a few season one Game of Thrones episodes. So yeah, um, also notably, uh, <laughs> uh, Alan Taylor did a did a Terminator Genesis, which is Ooh. I don't mm. know if that's the I think Ooh. that might be the worst Terminator movie. Ooh, Genesis. 
<laughs> that one, it's a toss up between that one and uh, Salvation for me. But uh, he also did a movie. Genesis I actually was worse when they retconned John Connor. That was just oh yeah. But then like forgivable. But but Salvation had one too many characters. Like uh, true. It, it like I agree. The, whatever uh, Sam Worthington's character's name was, and then. Christian Bale's John Connor, they should have been one person. It should have been. But then, but the retcon John Connor into a Terminator in Genesis was just unforgivable. Yeah. And then, anyway, um, <laughs> I did uh, uh, like actually one movie that Alan Taylor directed years and years ago called Palookaville. Uh, this is like from 1995. And it's sort of a, uh, it's, it reminds me of um, uh, Bottle Rocket. Uh, this is a movie, like, I don't even know where to find it. I think it's all free on YouTube. Like someone just uploaded it. But uh, if you ever get a chance, check out Palooka. Okay. It's, a, it's a good Alan Taylor movie. All right. Um, <laughs> I think. I watched it 25 years ago, so who knows? It has Vincent Gallo in it, if that helps. If you know who Vincent Gallo is. I, I don't know if that helps. Okay. <laughs> He's not getting a blowjob in this one. <laughs> oh, like man. in Brown well, Bunny. So. Then, uh, um, yeah, then definitely not. Anyway, uh, uh, re-watching this, you know, after knowing where it goes and, uh, you know... This being the eighth movie, and we're we're twenty two into it now. How does it hold up for you guys? Um, like I I watched it just to do this podcast. I wa- I rewatched it uh, a few days or uh, last week, and it holds up because I again, like I said, I have a different mindset on these Marvel movies now, whereas I see them as episodes or different issues of a of a of a, of a run of comic books. So it's I don't hold them to the same standards I would if I just go see a movie that's sta- a standalone film because this movie introduced the ether. Uh, which is the second Infinity Stone. You get, like uh, Cody said earlier, you get that dynamic play between Loki and Thor, which was sort of the, this was the first time you saw that, which I really, which made Thor Ragnarok so much fun. Um, And you get Thor's experiences lost for the first time, which really starts to send him on, who I think Thor has one of the best character arcs of all the MCU characters, uh, culminating in Endgame. And then this is what really sets him on that journey of losing his mother, and it gets paid off in Endgame uh, when you when they revisit this this movie. Um, so mm-hmm. to me, this movie, it, uh, upon first viewing in the theater, I was not a fan. But the more I watched, the more like if I can put away, the, put aside like the main plot point of the movie, which is the convergence and the dark elves and the extinction level event that all the other Avengers seem to ignore, then I can really enjoy this movie for the bits and pieces that sort of play into other parts of the MCU going forward, if that makes sense. For me, I, I you know, I, I feel like a, a lot of my issues come with the, just the general notion that I'm not the world's biggest fantasy fan. And I feel like this is unapologetically a fantasy movie. And I feel like it, it gets really, really bogged down with a lot of exposition and, in detail to story elements that I, that feel inconsequential that, that are quite frankly, a a little bit difficult to understand. And, um, and, and there's just, there's just a lot of like, like Jared said earlier, a lot of mumbo jumbo. Uh, Well, this is like the first time we're in this world. Like Thor, first Thor, we get a glimpse of Asgard, but most of it takes place. It's more fish out of water. It is Thor on earth story. Um, This is the first time we're, completely surrounded in Asgard and this fantasy world that Thor lives in with the nine realms and what he has to do. And we never had that in any MCU movie until then, until now, this is the first time where we're off world for an extended period of time. And this is, so that's why it's, it's different. It's the first different really MCU movie. It is for sure. And I think that I, it, I think, I think because it's different for me, it feels disconnected. 
And I feel like this is, and I and I know that's I, that's certainly by design to have it happen on another planet. And that you know, given the mythology of Thor as a character, I just think that it doesn't quite check the boxes of of what I like out of these Marvel movies to begin with. I don't think it's bad. Uh, I really did not like it, and I was extremely bored when I was watching it the first time around. Th- this time around, I was I was certainly more engaged, and I and I and I don't. It was not as bad as I remembered it being, or not. I didn't dislike it as much as I remember. But that being said, I, I do think that it, it, you know, the it does get bogged down with a lot of fantasy type stuff that for me was a little bit uninteresting. And again, not as not a great villain. I think that you know. Loki's storyline has the potential to be good, but it sort of unravels by the end of it. Um, and especially, I mean, it completely undoes any sort of catharsis that is involved in that. Well, but, yeah, you feel like there's going to be some redemption for Loki. Right, right. And then he just goes back to the same old Loki, which is disappointing to me. And the redemption storyline is actually kind of interesting within the context of the movie. And it's, and I think, I, I don't know, I feel like maybe they knew that they had more to do with Loki and, and they had to... You know, he he's a complex character for sure, but 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 giving but having having the redemption and then the back to evil thing happen so like close together. Um and and again, it's like 20 minutes of screen time, but also it's within the same movie. Um it just feels cheap to me and I I wasn't a huge fan of that. So I I mean, I I think I think the movie's okay, um but uh, it's not in my top tier for sure. Yeah, I I um I, I admit I was a, a little more fond of it this second time around, uh, knowing where it, you know, where it ends up and 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 what it led to. That said, I did like the uh, the fantasy stuff better than than you did, Cody. Uh, I, I'm I'm I was a fan of Game of Thrones, you know, and up until the last season, pretty much just like everyone else who was a fan that ended up hating it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it, I do feel like it does get bogged down. I, I don't feel like the, the, the Asgard stuff gets bogged down. Uh, but definitely when it comes to the Malekith stuff, it gets a little confusing. And that, just yeah, sort of... The, the Earth stuff and the, in the end when the guy, they're sticking the poles in the ground and they're trying to get the remote control and they're, sticking, and they're switching stuff through dimensions. Oh, it's yeah. It's like they're trying, to, they're trying to combine actual science with whatever mythology they've created. And it's just like no one knows what is really happening. Yeah, like I, I don't really understand what those poles were that Stellan Skarsgård had. Um, I guess they were they they were ways to control the the convergence or like or portals in the convergence, which man, it was kind of it was very like that part. Like at that point, I was lost, but mm-hmm. everything else I bought into, so I was having fun on the ride. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets to a point where it does like all that stuff. Just yeah, and to be fair to that end scene it's confusing like plot wise and trying to track everything what's what's going on but it does have some really cool visuals uh and i think them like flying through the portals and uh uh mjolnir uh, is that how you say it mew mew yeah mjolnir uh, going through different mjolnir. portals and it's in yeah, space like, and then it's, yeah, yeah that was really cool um that was a great visual element to it you know uh but but all in all the the villain plot is pretty kind of just generically evil and, and flat out confusing at times, which is unfortunate because I think that kind of derails the whole thing for me. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I can kind of forgive everything else that I didn't really care for the Loki stuff. Um, again, it, it's more of a disappointment that, that the redemption didn't stick uh, than it is any kind of major, major ding to the plot. Cause Loki doesn't show up again until Ragnarok, Ragnarok. right? Ragnarok. Yeah. We don't see Thor again until Ragnarok either. No, he's in Age of Ultron. 
Oh, that's right. Age Ultron, and then yeah, and then he, right. he and then fucks off it. and has a he sits in that hot tub, and then yeah, he's going <laughs> to look for the stones. Yeah, but I, I'm like Luke. Loki's redemption doesn't bother me because he does get redemption. He does get revenge on what he wanted to get revenge on, and he's right. got no love loss for Odin, and he's got no and his and he's got mixed feelings at best for Thor. So yeah, I, I think once he kills the cursed and he feels he's gotten revenge for his mother's death, I think I don't think he thinks twice about I have to get out of here now because I Thor's going to put me back in prison and I have no love loss for Odin, so why not take the throne? I I just don't know that that redemption just re- avenging his mother's death within the context of the films, especially when Thor's mother is not a major player in the movies. I don't know that that is enough to send him on a redemptive path that feels like it's like, well, I know they tried to allude to that. He always had a special relationship with his mother through dialogue. Hated, yeah. Through dialogue. He, I mean, cause you never get to see it cause they don't share the screen very often. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and she, he's like, he's not my father when he talks about Odin and he, then she goes, well, am I not your mother? And then you see him pause and go, you see that there, there are his feelings there between those two, even though we've never seen it. He's just a mama's boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Classic That's all. mama's boy. I mean, it, it, again, it, it it holds up better the second time around, I think, as a, as a part of a whole. But at the yeah. time, it was kind of a, a diversion that didn't seem to go anywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it was I think we were all sort of uh, conditioned after that, after Avengers to kind of wonder why we weren't getting Avengers all the time. And. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's, you know, I think that's a fair, that was a fair question at the time. And I think that it's something that, that Marvel has done their best to kind of, of fix, fix in that respect, because I don't think after this film, you get uh, a, f- a movie with just one of the Avengers, right? Other uh, than Doctor uh, Strange. Yeah. Okay. That Other than um, that, though. Other than that, and like Guardians of the Galaxy, which introduced something totally different, but like Captain yeah. America: Winter Soldier, you have Scarlet Witch, or you know uh, Natasha, whatever. No, nobody else is in Black Panther, right? Uh, well, no. true, but Black Panther started in Civil War. Oh, okay. I just, so yeah, okay. And Black yeah. Panther was um, Wakanda, which was a hidden continent. I mean, it's like they've they've done things where they try not to make it such a, like a big event where it would require all the Avengers to come except for Dr. Strange seemed pretty large. Um, but that wasn't that on like a different realm though. Well, things were happening. It was, it's, I don't remember Dr. Strange very well at all either. That's where the realm was coming through and it was destroying the places where the, uh, um, what you, I can't think of the buildings now, the, the sanctum Santorums, the, the Santorums were the sanctums were, uh, that's where the dark, matter was coming through oh, yeah. and, and then some, everything something was happening too in guardians of the galaxy too yes uh that was with, where ego was trying to recreate all the planets to make yeah. them part of him which seems like pretty large but yeah. then again, that happened in a different galaxy so there's no way the avengers could have gotten there no it was happening on earth too well yeah but like you wouldn't see they just oh, showed well, yeah. the devastation they didn't show the right. avengers reacting to it or the Revenger, the Avengers, the Avengers. <laughs> well, but, I mean, like, I, Thor: Dark World to me would have been better had everything just take had just been Malekith trying to take over Asgard, and not gone to Earth. Just have everything yeah. just be straight fantasy on Asgard. Oh, yeah. Can we quickly talk about this? <laughs> okay, here's here's the biggest the biggest problem I have with this movie in in its entirety is that is that uh, Thor and Jane are stuck on 
in the dark world for approximately five minutes before stumbling upon very conveniently a portal back to oh Earth. that was that was bad that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad they literally walked to where the lost keys were <laughs> it's so stupid yeah no yeah. there was a lot of there was a lot of writing for convenience but then again, they also hid the ether on the home world of the Dark Elf, so it, none, none of it really makes a lot of sense. <laughs> See, it's, it, we're crack, uh, crumbling under scrutiny. <laughs> but if you sit back and you just enjoy the ride, then it's a fun movie. At least I thought it was. This is so unlike you, brother. So clandestine. Are you sure you wouldn't rather just punch your way out? If you keep speaking, I just might. Fine, as you wish. I'm not even here. Is this better? Better company, at least. Still, we could be less conspicuous. Mmm, brother. You look ravishing. It will hurt no less when I kill you in this form. Very well. Perhaps you prefer one of your new companions, given that you seem to like them so much. Oh, this is much better. Whoa. Costume's a bit much. So tight. But the confidence. Feel the righteousness surging. Hey, you want to have a rousing discussion about truth, honor, patriotism? God bless America. So this film was released in 2013, uh, same year as Iron Man 3, which we talked about last episode. Uh, so the movies we're going to cover here that were released uh, the same year are going to be the same, but we've, we'll get a different take on these films from Eddie. So I guess with the big one, Eddie, that was released this year... Uh, in 2013 was uh, Man of Steel. Oh, uh, Jerry had actually not seen Man of Steel. When yeah, we he, talked about he, it last time. he hasn't seen any of the. He doesn't really seen any of the DC movies. I think he saw Wonder Woman. Oh wow! Uh, so <laughs> I, I assume you saw Man of Steel. And yeah, I, I see. All, I see everything. <laughs> what did you think of Man of Steel? I hated it. <laughs> um, to me, Superman's not dark. He's not a dark character. He's not a brooding character. That's Batman. Um, so I don't like. I don't like how they desaturate the color in the film. I don't. Mm-hmm. I like Henry Cavill as Superman. I think it's good casting. I think the. I don't like the story. I don't really care for the way they changed the way uh, 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 Superman or uh, Clark Kent uh, did. His dad died. I don't like the way they changed that. It's um, a very. It's very stupid. Like it's, it's very a very dumb. stupid movie. It's yeah. I just. I just didn't like any of any of the moves they did in it. I really. And then for Superman to break the guy's neck at the end, I'm just like... Honestly, I didn't mind that. Honestly, I'd... honestly, I didn't mind that. I, I I get everything else, but that one I was... I was look... I, and Superman I, would have taken that battle away from Metropolis. There's right. no way he would have kept that battle in Metropolis. And that's that's one of the things we talked about with, with uh, the last episode is that that destruction of Metropolis is a directly addressed in Avengers age of Ultron where they, they make a point to uh, evacuate all of Sokovia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, this reminds me uh, uh, just today on Facebook, I got the memory of, um, so we, we had a Superman or man of steel screening in 2013. There was also the same night as game three of the NBA finals that the San Antonio Spurs were playing in. Oh yeah. (laughs) And uh, a a series they ultimately ended up losing, but uh, I was, I was torn between whether or not to go to the premiere, the screening or watch the game. And I can't believe I ever considered that back then. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing man of steel. I did you, what did you do? Cause I ended up staying home. 
Oh yeah, no, I stay home too. Yeah, I watch the game. You have to stay home. If it's your team in the finals, you got to stay home. Yeah, but I was I was ex- I was very excited for it because this was uh, like a, a relaunch and, and like um, Christopher Nolan was an executive producer. And I think had a story credit. Maybe I'm wrong. I think you might be right about that actually. Or, or it was either, maybe it was Jonathan Nolan who had the story credit. I don't I don't know. Let me let me see. Uh, uh, who wrote this? The screenplay was by by David Goyer, but uh, Christopher Nolan did have a story credit. Okay, with Goyer, but yeah, um, yeah, there. Probably the worst thing about it is, well, the IHOP thing is pretty bad. <laughs> the IHOP, the blatant product placement, but the the uh, the changing of uh, like Clark Kent to be like a a drifter from you know high school to age yeah. thirty, and again. And then, please, I, yeah. Sorry, but I just no. want to say, please stop with the with the uh, the the Jesus comparisons. Yeah, because it was like, oh, he's thirty three years old. Like, shut up. Yeah, was, <laughs> I hate it. I yeah. So much of that movie drove me nuts. That drove me nuts. Uh, the fact that Lois Lane knew who Superman was drove me nuts right away. Like, let's see that develop over time. Why just get that out of the way now? I don't. I don't <laughs> and then just, to. Uh, then to have him like just become a reporter at the end with like no, like, ever I mean, like I guess never. Like, what I guess what they were going for is sort of like, hey, let's take all these old Superman conventions and throw them out. Let's have Lois and Superman get at it right away. Let's just have him be a reporter as a throwaway. He's not leaving. He's not living this double double secret life as Superman and Clark Kent. We've seen all that. Let's not do that. I, I guess that's what they were going for, but it's like I don't, I don't know. It's not a Superman movie. I get, I get, yeah, that's, that'd be fine with me. If it was just like, hey, this is Superman, here he is. I don't know that we needed another origin story. No, we definitely didn't. I think uh, we could have gone, we could have just picked it up as Superman on Earth. And then, I mean, I didn't mind so much seeing some of the stuff on Krypton at the beginning. I thought that was kind of interesting to see that, that world. Um, but I, you know, I didn't. It's, all, it's always such a bummer, like the Krypton stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how I grew up watching the the Christopher Reeve ones. Me too. And watching them now, I mean, they're incredibly corny and really cheap looking. But I mean, they they the Krypton stuff was always the most boring part of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that this was any better. Uh, so yeah, moving on from that, uh, we also had the Wolverine, uh, which I was enjoyed the, that movie. That was a fun I did movie. too. That's the uh, again the second. Uh, solo outing for Hugh Jackman yeah. as Wolverine. Not the awful uh, Wolverine movie, but the Wolverine. not the awful Wolverine X Men Origins Wolverine. This was the Wolverine uh, set in Japan, which I really liked until I think the end is is kind of stupid. But um, up until then, I think it was really good. No, I enjoyed the. I, I really that that movie brought me back into that the X Men world because I had such a. I really disliked Wolverine Origins, and I really disliked X Men Three. Um, the last so stand. This, that, yeah, the last stand. So this one, like, I went in with no expect, with really low expectations. And it's and amazing it how out. how quickly they can pull you out of it too with those last two movies. Yeah. Oh god, they were they were going so well with that, and then they did Days of Future, uh, X Men First Class, and Days of Future Past. And I'm like, oh man, you guys are reviving the franchise. And then they did Apocalypse, which is <laughs> awful, and then Dark Phoenix, which is more unwatchable than the awful Apocalypse movie. Yeah. I I, I think. X Men Apocalypse is the absolute worst. It's really bad. And then and that was my favorite storyline in X Men. And then yeah, and then Dark Phoenix. Um, 
is just boring as shit. That's so bad. Well, you could tell they like. I think halfway through they just gave up because knowing <laughs> they're going to be sold to Disney and this is the end. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Kick Ass Two. Did you were you a fan of the Kick Ass movies? Eddie? I liked the first Kick Ass. I never saw Kick Ass Two. I um I was not a fan of either. Um, yeah. Kick Ass Two had some interesting, a little bit more interesting stuff than I remember having in Kick Ass One. I think again we talked about this last time, but I think Chloe Grace Moretz is the best part of both movies. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, and she gets a she gets a pretty interesting storyline in Kick Ass Two, like where, a Mean you know, Girls storyline. Yeah, and like ends up beating up the whole cafeteria. And, um, <laughs> yeah, um, and then uh, um, of course Iron Man Three. Uh, you kind of already discussed. You didn't really care for it the first time around, right? I Eddie? didn't for a lot of the same reasons. I think uh, with Thor Darkwell, I didn't know where it played in. Um, I just, I to me, there was a lot of plot holes. I'm like, why didn't you just bring in all the Iron Man suits right away? Like, I just, there was just things that didn't make sense to me in the movie. And then after watching, I'm like, okay, well, I see where you're going, so I'm fine with everything that happened. Um, it mm-hmm. was also, uh, it was a good uh, resolution for Tony Stark's character after what happened in Avengers to see what him dealing with what he went through, and that also sets up where he's going for Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes sense. Like I said, it's the same with Dark World. Like after it, repeated viewings and then seeing where it fits in the MCU, I have a different appreciation for that film. I think uh, my conclusion, and I don't remember what yours was, Cody, uh, on Iron Man three was it's a it's a fine enough movie. Um, it's it's fun at times. It's not a great Marvel Cinematic Universe movie because it just sort of ignores a lot of stuff. And well, you also don't see Iron Man until the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, to- it's Tony Stark the whole movie. Yeah, and then there's all kinds of stuff that gets abandoned, like the remote suits and. Yeah, and I still was never a huge fan of Mand- um, the the Mandarin not being the Mandarin. That's oh yeah, yeah, that was my huge complaint about I did, it. I didn't like that because I think that was great casting for the Mandarin, and then to sort of do that switcheroo kind of bummed me out a little bit. I, I think one thing that I talked about was that it it, fe- it also feels oddly placed in the in the course of the MCU. Like this, this should not be the one that happens after. Avengers and all, I mean in some ways it, it makes a little bit sense uh, sense because you're you have like the PTSD storyline and that part makes sense yes. but like it, it's super it's a, it's another super like post 9-11 type of vibe to it especially with the Mandarin as a character in particular it just feels yes. it, it feels like it was like like a decade too late yeah it felt like that should have been Iron Man 2 yes without the PTSD storyline I yeah. agree with that and yeah. maybe put the PTSD storyline in Iron Man 2 and make that Iron Man 3 Yep. Yes, but you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't follow that. But okay. Yes. <laughs> I present to you, Tanalir Tivan, the collector. Ooh. Oh, as guardians, it's an honor. You know why we're here. Of course. But if I may ask, why not keep it secure in your own vault? The Tesseract is already on Asgard. It is not wise to keep two Infinity Stones so close together. That's very wise. I can assure you, it will be absolutely safe. 
appear in my collection. See that it is. So the end credit sequence, there's two of them. One of them is just sort of um, uh, Thor reuniting with Jane Foster, which, and then that dog running around London. Um, but the big one is the introduction of Benicio del Toro's collector character. I, I wanted to quickly talk about this real quick because this is something we talked about with Jerry, which is how. When Jared and I oftentimes go to these movies and these post credit scenes don't show up or show up, 90% of the time, neither of us knows what or who that is. And then Jerry was saying <laughs> that basically you and him are the only ones in the theater who are standing up cheering at these reveals. Oh, yeah. We're the ones like pushing each other and going, oh, my God, do you believe this? And then everyone else is like, what the hell's happening? Who is that? Now, now to be fair, I do know some of them. This one I didn't know. Um and it's it's the first real taste of the super out there shit that was coming in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and it's I I, I don't remember. I, I honestly didn't remember it. I didn't remember what it was. And well, I, I think can't... the part that got everybody in this. I mean, because a lot of people don't know who the collector is. You have to. Re- I mean, you have to be in the comic books that really kind of know. You know, the collector and the grandmaster are sort of. You know, they're brothers and like they're part of like these ancient this ancient order that've been around forever. So I mean, like that, that, that's a lot of stuff that goes into some deep comic books that a lot of people that didn't read that that read Spider Man and you know right. Iron Man didn't read these things. But the thing that was interesting about this stinger was the this was the first time they're called Infinity Stones. Oh, is it? I believe so because we just know it's the Tesseract up until this point, and they said yeah. the Tesseract is on Asgard. He's like, well, the collector goes, why don't you keep the ether on in your vault on Asgard? He's like, well, we already have the Tesseract there, and it'd be unwise to keep two Infinity Stones so close together. And that was the big, like, holy shit moment. Because mm-hmm. mm. now we know this is about the Infinity Gauntlet. Ah, See, okay. you know what? Um, because uh, you saw Thor at the end. You saw Thanos at the end of Avengers, but you just saw Thanos. I, I feel like I kind of knew at the time that the Infinity Gauntlet thing was happening. Uh, again, I honestly don't remember seeing this stinger the first time, so I don't know. It must have been nonsense to me, uh, honestly, at the time. I knew that Thanos. I I knew Thanos, and I knew the Infinity Gauntlet, of course, because I grew up in the '90s with that was yes. like the huge story. But you know, the Collector was was foreign to me. And uh, man, at the, I, I can just imagine most people watching this were like, "Well, what the fuck is happening?" Yeah, no one would know. I mean, because. To know Thanos is to know the Infinity Gauntlet story and the Infinity Stones, right. but you didn't hear them called Infinity Stones until this point. So you saw like, okay, there's Thanos, so we're probably going to get in Phase 2 or Phase 3 some sort of Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Now it's going to be out there. But until this point, we didn't see that there's now a, a, a chase to find and collect the, in the Infinity Stones. We didn't know where they were or what they looked like or what they were called. And now we know the Tesseract and the Aether are Infinity Stones. Like that yeah. was like the big holy shit moment. Okay, yeah, I'm. I again, I, again, looking back at it now, it's hard to to kind of separate the time from when I knew yeah. that and when I didn't know that. So that's 
that's interesting that that's. And the I don't first... think we get a third Infinity Stone until Guardians. Right, with the collector uh, gets Ronin... the whole spiel about the Infinity Stones. And that's the purple one, right? The... Yeah, the Power Stone. Yeah, because yeah. because that's the first time we actually spend time with Thanos, right? Is in Guardians. Um. Yes. There's there's like and, a, a there's, scene there's or two. A couple moments. Yeah, a couple moments. Yeah. Wait. When is when is the stinger where he's like, "I'll do it myself"? Is that? That's after Age of Ultron, right? I think so. That's the stinger after Age of Ultron, where he grabs. And then he it all, and right? then he waits like three years. Then he, <laughs> well, he's got to go find the. Uh, the what's he have? He has the uh, what stone? He has, he, has to, he has the power stone at the beginning of Endgame, right? Or Infinity War. So he's got uh, he's got to go to uh, what you call it on Guardians of the Galaxy and get it. Because oh, they, they yeah. leave it there at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy uh, on uh, what you call it, uh, Prime, whatever the fuck it was called. Nova, Nova Prime. Nova Prime. Yeah, I need more. I need more John C. Riley. God damn it! In my Marvel, <laughs> and also movies. he doesn't have the he doesn't have the the uh, the Tesseract, so he doesn't have the stone that allows him just to tr- tr- teleport anywhere. So he's got to actually you know space travel. So it takes a while to move around until he gets that stone. I'm I'm glad I'm really glad you're here because neither of us remember these plot points like this. I, I can I'm, teach a college level course. <laughs> I mean, I, I I really love these movies, and I grew up. This is the era of comic books that I was actually reading. Me too, and man. It just escapes me still. Um, all these details about it. And well, the great thing they've done with taking a lot of these storylines from comic books, what the MCU has done, which I really love that they've done more than whatever DC has been trying to do, is they just take stuff and that that's influenced or referenced in the comic books and they and they turn and they sculpt these stories where it doesn't match up the origins and stuff don't match up with what came in the comics but you don't care because it's elements that you loved and their storytelling is so good with it that you you buy into it you're like I don't care if that's how that actual origin went I like this version that is exactly what Star Wars should have done you're right and I don't exactly. know how big a fan you were of that sort of uh, expanded universe because uh, that was I around enjoyed, the same time. I enjoyed time. a lot of stuff in the expanding. Not everything, but I enjoyed a lot. Right. There's a lot of crap, but there's some yeah. really good stuff in it. And, and to just put, ignore taken, it. They've, they've picked pieces from the expanded universe. and Like Thrawn and Rebels and stuff like that. But they haven't yeah. done as well as what the MCU has done. Well, Thrawn, Thrawn should have... I mean, I, I love that they brought Thrawn back. Cody has no idea what we're talking about. No, no I'm uh, on. A, uh, I'm so <laughs> checked out. But please, please Thrawn, keep going. It's like Thrawn, an episode of the, this episode of the Ramble. <laughs> <laughs> Thrawn would have been way better uh, post uh, post um, uh, Emperor villain, but you know. Yeah, I would have Disney, liked to. But I mean, technically, at the end of Rebels, Thrawn's not dead. So oh he yeah, he time still, travels, right? He could still pop out somewhere. Yeah, and, and, there, it's just that that's something that that I. I don't get why Star Wars doesn't do that. There's so much media out there that it could draw from that it just yeah. when it was something new. Anyway, I mean they they've tried, but they they have not done it nearly as well as the MCU has. Yeah, there's every now and then there's something that gets thrown in like a little Easter egg. Uh, there yeah. was something in the Mandalorian. Dark saber. Dark saber. Uh, well, that was from Rebels too, yeah. so that was already canon. But I think there was oh Life Day. Oh Life Day. Yeah, they threw yeah. Life Day in at the in the first episode. They threw Life yeah. Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horatio Sands, yeah, yeah, um, which is from the the holiday special, Cody. Oh, the, the, the Wookiees celebrate Life Day. It's like their Christmas. Mm, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Happy Life Day. Cool. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, where were we on this? Oh, yeah, the stinger. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is the first real taste of like the cosmic stuff. Yeah. So, uh, and this, this is where you know, like I said, this is two stones down. We got four more to go. And that's where you start counting off the stones. Okay, where else could the stones be? And what movie are we going to see more stones in? Yeah. 
So that was okay. what was cool about that state. That's what that was me and Jerry punching each other in the face, going, "Can you believe this? <laughs> <laughs> They've got two stones already." Excuse me. Are you Jane Foster? Yes. You know this man? He's my intern. My intern's intern. This is private property, and you're trespassing a lot of you. You have to come with me. <laughs> Jane. Jane. Laura. You're right. What just happened? Place your hands on your head, step back. This woman is unwell. She's dangerous. So am I. Requesting armed response officers to see. Hold on to me. What are you doing? All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of ReMCU, um, covering Thor, The Dark World. Uh, it is, of course, like almost all of the other MCU movies, available on Disney Plus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 4K, you... I watched it in 4K. Yeah, it oh. is in 4K. How, does it, how do the effects hold up in a 4K? Good, it looks great. It honestly yeah, looks great. A, for being a movie that's, what, seven, eight years old, it, the, all the effects still really hold up. Yeah, I mean, I think that Asgard stuff. Some of it's gorgeous. Um, yeah, the like the the rainbow bridge and all that stuff. The, is, the is... ether occasionally doesn't look great, but I think that's really the only thing that I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we we noticed with uh, like uh, Captain America, the the co- uh, compositing wasn't great. Yeah, um, like when they're in the world's really fair pre Avengers, it's kind of a little. Some of it's kind of rough. Man, I, I remember what we watched uh, um, iron, rewatching Iron Man, and I think the uh, Iron Monger's suit is actually like a real suit, and you can see that it's kind of shitty, like a <laughs> shitty prop, uh, which I don't think they would ever do again. Because I think now they replace like ev- like there. First of all, I don't think there's any Iron Man suits. Since- no, if you see like Robert Downey Jr. on set pictures, he's in a green screen outfit or a motion capture outfit. Except for like shoulder pads. Yeah, and then uh, um, I think Black Panther and Civil War, they just replaced his whole costume yeah, anyway. They're, they're wearing mocap suits, basically. Jesus. It must be nice to just. Have like, you seen yeah. the. Uh, have you watched the gallery thing on the Disney? No. Plus I, episode I, four about how they shot everything in, the, in what they call the volume, which is this dome of just LED screens. Because nothing. That is, is amazing. I saw, I, I saw a preview of that on some. Um, uh, like cinematography magazines, like wow. well, yeah. uh, that episode four is mind blowing. Cody, do you know what this? You know what we're talking about? I do. Yeah, that it's the Mandalorian. They shoot it like with a, a gaming engine, generating these graphics like it's real insane. time. And holy shit, it's so amazing! It's insane. It, like change none, movie making. Like hardly any of it is green screen. Like the green screen is just to like remove, um, like legs and stuff for, yeah. from props that are flying everything but, is man, led screens it's crazy God. yeah um and it makes the lighting like for the, if there's any effects they have to do it it yeah oh it's so cool um yeah that's on disney plus too i need i need to get to that because i have been waiting to see more of that it's really good uh yeah uh anyway uh thanks a lot eddie for joining yeah, us you, sorry you, I went, sorry we went off tangents i apologize no no, no. It's t- that's totally what it's about and uh, right. and thank you for for bringing your knowledge of thor the dark world to oh, us there's not many Cause, that can because we were gonna we were gonna stumble through this without you and just be like this movie was i don't know what's happening <laughs> malaketh what and then uh 
you you had the whole uh, the whole dossier on Malaketh oh. and, and, and everything else. It so was my uh, pleasure. Yeah, uh, next time we're going to be covering um, uh, w- one of my personal favorites, uh, Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, that's in my top three. The whole MCU, basically, um, that movie yeah. is fascinating. That's a movie oh. that I haven't seen since theaters, and because I didn't love it in theaters, and I don't, I couldn't remember like because everyone was. I remember walking out of the press screening with you and our friend Kiko and everyone being like, holy shit, that was incredible. And I was like, hmm, what did I, what did I miss here? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think I've seen it in full since then. I've seen oh, bits and pieces of it. I love that movie. I mean, that elevator scene is. Oh, fascinating. It's great. God, it's so great. And it's then an es- to... it's an espionage movie. It's great. I love it. It's yeah. So different. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's a different, this is that phase two is when they start doing different genres in the MCU. And I just love them playing around like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so you can, uh, you can listen to Eddie. Um, you're on, uh, the ramble with Jerry ramble Rocha with and Jerry Rocha Cody every Wednesday and then Tuesday and Cody. And every Tuesday and Friday we do ramble radio on YouTube. You can see me, Jerry and hear Cody on those. Um, and then five days a week I'm on patreon.com on something called the Ralph report with Ralph Garman, where I'm the co-host. Mm-hmm. And then starting June 8th, my radio sports show is off of furlough and we'll be back, uh, doing five shows a week on radio.com oh, wow. from 11 to one. That's hits and misses. Correct? Swings and misses. Swings, Swings and misses. misses. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was, I was close. It was originally hits and misses. And they, that was already taken. So we had to switch it to swings and misses. Uh-huh. So is that mean, does that mean, uh, forgive me if I don't know the format. Are you actually covering sports? Uh, we do cover sports, but we, it ends up going off like anything with me. We end up talking on several different tangents that don't relate. <laughs> so, so what are you going to, are you going to be talking about like South Korean baseball? Like everyone else is? <laughs> uh, we will talk about the KBO. Uh, we okay. will do that. We will talk, uh, you know, golf is sort of coming back. Basketball's look, it looks like hockey's going to be coming back soon. Um, there's always NFL news out there. So, uh, I, we, we got a clarification here in Texas from the governor today that, uh, Sports that are uh, out that have uh, outdoor uh, stadiums can have uh, fans in attendance yeah. again. So it's coming back because people are just they don't want to wait. So we're going to come back, and then it'll just be a big. I told you so in the fall. When are you? When are you doing your next show? Because I, I, I was I would be curious to hear Cody's take on because there was a huge like minor league cutback today. That's yeah, be he's just not happy devastated. with that. They're, they're killing forty minor league teams, which is kind of bullshit. And they were there was talk about it, but. It wasn't going to go through, and then Major League Baseball basically used this pandemic as a way to, like, you know, get it by. Well, and 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 I and you know they were alluding today that hundreds of players and hundreds more will be cut, and and probably that's the end of the line for hundreds of people. Yeah, I mean, like Cody was a major minor league baseball player for ten years, and he was just he was sort of one of those like Crash Davis type players where he had his shot in the majors, but he was basically there as like a player coach for like you yeah. know, the one or two guys that they were going to move up the system and eventually get in the, the majors. So he was sort of one of those guys to help field a team so the stars could play their way up. Um, and now you're cutting hundreds of jobs and 40 teams, and it's basically Major League Baseball's way to sort of seize control of the minor leagues and bring them un- in under the Major League Baseball umbrella because those teams are not owned by Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. The minor league teams are owned by you know, independent owners. So it's basically the way of the Major League Baseball is basically doing a power grab. Yeah. Sucks. So it'd be like the uh, the G League. Yeah, it's exactly like the G League with the NBA. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, cool. So that's um, that's starting when June. Uh, uh, we'll be back on air June eighth uh, on radio.com. Cool. And you can listen to uh, Cody and I's other two podcasts, um, the Cinesnob podcast. We're reviewing um, VOD releases now. Uh, sometimes Cody <laughs> finds some great crap for us to watch. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and also uh, Quarren Stream, uh, which uh, Eddie, you were guest on uh, the third episode, third and fourth. No, I'm sorry. The um, I don't even know how that shakes out. Two parts in. Uh, you are our third guest that, that was we spoke to. Third and fourth episode, right? No, you were. Um, you How were fifth uh, and sixth. Fifth and sixth. Oh, fifth and sixth. Sorry. Whatever. It was two parts. Anyway, so uh, um, we, you can listen to that. Uh, we have a, a new uh, show we're recording here very soon. Uh, our latest episode features uh, comedian Sean Donnelly out of New York. Uh, a lot of fun talking to him. Um, and then uh, that's our other two shows, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, you, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at cinesnob, Facebook cinesnob critic. Please. Uh, all of our shows, uh, go to uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, give us a review, uh, leave us a five-star review, please subscribe. Um, also, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe. Anything else, Cody, before we before we go? No, I think, I think this one, uh, I think basically if you remove uh, Age of Ultron from the mix, which we can't do and when we will cover i think from from here on out i think it's pretty smooth sailing through the mcu uh in terms of just quality i think there's a there's a markedly better uh quality level starting at winter soldier so i'm interested to see um how the because i think one thing and just to punctuate this is that one thing i think both of us have been experiencing and i i certainly can only speak for myself on this but i think that a lot of these movies are a lot better than i remember them being uh, even the even the not so great ones, you, you know, stuff like Iron Man two, I I liked a lot more than I liked the first time around. So yeah. I'm interested to see how the good ones hold up, um, or the better yeah. ones hold up. I mean, that's the magic of the MCU of what they're doing is like it's making it like it really like the you know the rising sea level raises all boats sort of thing. Like the the mm-hmm. the, the better the overall mo- like the big movies are, it makes the lesser known movies even like it makes them better. It's mm-hmm. it's very strange. It's a very strange phenomenon with the way this whole thing is being done. But it's like it makes like I said, they're issues of a series, so you have to look at them that way. And it's like some are better, some are not so great. But overall, the whole thing gives you a better opinion of all of it. Yeah, when you watch them all as a collective whole. Yeah, and I, I think that that was part of the problem we had we had when these were first releases. It, it wasn't really weren't really able to see that at this yeah. point. And now that now that you're looking at it from a you know a thousand foot view as opposed to a hundred foot view, it's it's a lot different. Yeah, you can see the forest. Yes, for yeah, I don't know what I was gonna say. Instead of the tree, you're standing. Yeah, I don't know whatever. Yeah, you had something poignant lined up, and you're like, no, never mind. I'm tired, man. I'm tired. All right, Eddie Pence, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you guys. It was a lot of fun. Anytime you want to talk MCU, let me know. I love it. Oh, cool, man. Uh, Yeah, we got, uh, uh, you know, uh, 19 more films or something to get through. (laughs) If you need need me, I'm around. We'll find something that, that, like, when we have the least amount of encyclopedic knowledge about, we'll be like, hey, what's that up to? (laughs) You know what? I I think we better pencil you in for Doctor Strange, because I don't think either of us know what the fuck was happening in Doctor Strange. I'm here. Cool, man. Uh, On that note, my name is Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. 